This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. This is the second time we've had the chance to sit down and chat. The first time we really took a look at your career and the rise of the seaplane experience. And obviously that's only grown in recent months following a brilliant announcement yesterday at the time of recording. Um, So as I always will have, we'll have it in different subsections. And opening up, I think the perfect way to begin this is... For people that may still not be totally aware of Tailwind, could you outline uh, just what the yep. company's about? Sure. So Tailwind is a veteran-owned uh, small business uh, based in Westchester County, New York. That's just outside of uh, New York City. Uh, we have a fleet of amphibious caravan seaplanes. Uh, we also have another business uh, that manages uh, aircraft and charters them, uh, land jets, business uh, Jets, turboprops, a wide number, about 17 of those, in addition to our seaplane fleet. Um, in my role, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of the, the seaplane division, uh, and that's where we run our scheduled service out of, which is likely the focus of this, of this meeting, of this interview. Of course, and uh, further to an extension of Tailwind, what's your role at the uh, company, people that may be curious? Yeah, so I'm the I'm a co-founder here. I've been here for five years, and I all and I run. Uh, I think technically I'm the uh, director of scheduled services. Um, essentially, I run the seaplane division um, and map out uh, everything from route planning to marketing, sales, um, some operational components as well, um, staffing. Um, everything. Everything, and I'm sure how you said you've been with them for five years. It's been probably quite the development over the recent five years and i'm sure that's only going to continue for you guys it has we've you know we've we've operated seaplanes since 2014 we were the company was founded in 2012 uh largely what we did up until about 2019 is uh just really use the seaplanes for charter um and occasionally one or two kind of spot schedule services here and there primarily in the in seasonal summer markets that that is where we all got started Mm mm-hmm uh, but the focus and the long-term vision of the company has always been uh, to use seaplanes to bridge and uh, to create faster connections initially in the Northeast uh, between large uh, metro areas. Uh, and the three largest in the Northeast where we operate, of course, are Boston, uh, Manhattan or New York City uh, and Washington, D.C. Um, we we recognize and think that it's an underutilized platform mm-hmm. um, to bypass a lot of the current issues that plague both aviation and in the United States, the very slow uh, train system that we have. Um, the, uh, 
by utilizing waterways or very small airports um, that the caravan has access to, um, you're bypassing a lot of the bottlenecks that are currently there and the lack of reliability and delivering something that truly is faster and more enjoyable for the passenger. Of course, and that's always been a, a massive focal point, I think, when we've had these discussions and you looked anything up and I've looked through all your comments, it's that faster means of transport in an area that, like we've said, is so congested as well and deals with the traffic and the slow times and slow connection speeds and so forth. Yeah, so speed is, is clearly the priority, uh, but also uh, I think what we found is equally as important to people is uh, an enjoyable experience that has lower stress. Uh, when you look at... Uh, what you need to do when you want to take a plane from, let's say, LaGuardia to Washington National Airport, um, you've got to factor in time to get to the airport. That could take you 15 or 20 minutes on a dreamy day, uh, but could also take you 50 minutes. Um, you could get to the airport and have a two-minute security line and be able to get to the gate in five or 10 minutes. But that that process could also take you an hour or more. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's that uncertainty and the the need to have to factor in all of that potential delay, um, you know, the flight itself, even from New York to D.C. on a traditional, you know, uh, commercial plane, the airtime is only about 35 to 40 minutes. Um, but the airlines have to block it off at over an hour, hour and 10 minutes, usually hour and 15 minutes, just because it takes about half an hour for the airplane to negotiate all of the congestion that's in both the airways and on the ground. So it, all of those things um combined to seaplanes and and how we operate avoid a, a lot of that um when you when you arrive and it, let me say it, maybe i'm talking too long but you know when you were it takes you you know our, our dock is 10 minutes from midtown mm-hmm. right maybe if you hit a bunch of traffic it was 20 minutes but it's not 50 minutes right in any scenario um it, you know once you're at our dock you know in manhattan you are not more than five minutes from the airplane our check-in cutoff time is just 10 minutes prior to departure um when there there are not going to be 50 seaplanes trying to take off from from the east river when you're trying to go so you know the airplane takes off of course it's in the traditional airspace that everybody else is in so there could possibly some be some on route congestion, but you're also not trying to land in National Airport on the other side. You're going to a very uncrowded small airport called College Park, um, where, you know, you're going to be number one for arrival and number one for departure 99% of the time. So, you know, and then when you get to the other side, uh, you know, you're about, you're only about 20, 25 minutes uh, from the nation's capital, as well as a number of, of large suburbs around the DC area. So it, it's different. Um, you're interacting with at most eight people, right? And, and in the air, in the in our quote airports, uh, you know, you're not interacting with many people at all, if any, beyond the people who are on the plane and our own ground staff. Um, whereas in another, you know, in an airport or train station, you're you're interacting um, directly and indirectly with thousands of people, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things that have to happen and work right for things to to go right. And so, um, you know, I think that's just a big part of what we do. Exactly. And um, I think we, we did mention and you mentioned as well that not only congestion, but I think especially nowadays, we were talking about the security times, five to 10 minutes. I think having a look at what's been going on in the, the broader aviation world, five to 10 minutes is almost unheard of at this point in time. And I think we're looking at, especially for the, the specific routes we were talking about, we're, we're talking more time spent on the ground, actually trying to get to the plane than probably in the air. And that's that's sort of the reality of what it's become. 
that is stressful, right? I mean, I think people can understand that it might take an hour to get on a plane from Washington, New York. That's fine. But it's the unknowns around having to get to the airplane and getting from the front of, you know, from the taxi, you know, to the gate and negotiating all the different steps you've got to do between there. Um, it's the same in some in some ways it's similar with the train. Um, you know, train is a big service on, on our serve, you know, between the two, the Washington, New York and, and Boston train. The train is a, is a very valid option. Um, and it's just it's just slow. Mm-hmm. And there's no other way to say it. in Europe and in Asia, they have a lot of high speed rail. Um, what we call high speed rail is not high speed rail in the United States. Um, it's just structurally slow um, and it's still a very crowded experience. Um, and so if people who value time and lack of crowds and lower uncertainty um, can really take advantage of a, of a company and a service like ours. Totally. And uh, obviously the big announcement yesterday, we haven't dove too much into that yesterday, but it involved that route through to College Park Airport. Um, and when it was pitched to me, yep. it was how it was one of the world's oldest airports and, um, of course, home to the Wright brothers. So tell me a little bit about the announcement from the frequency to the start date and so forth. Yeah, so it's uh, College Park is inside of the Beltway. It's actually the only scheduled service inside the Beltway that's outside of, of Washington National Airport or Reagan Airport, some people call it. Um, it's going to be operating uh, Monday through Sunday through uh, Friday, uh, twice a day, uh, timed kind of for early morning, later evening uh, arrivals and departures on both ends. Um, College Park is a really interesting place. It has a brand new terminal facility that was completed, I think, in 2016. Um, so, and you've got uh, adjacent free parking that's you know less than about 100 feet from the from the entrance of the terminal. Um, so you can just drive your car up or, or Uber up or however you get there, um, and the airplane will be right there. Uh, it's a, the flight itself is a is a little bit longer than our Boston flight. It's about 80 minutes. Um, between 80 to 90 minutes between 90 is probably on the long side. Most times it will be about 80 minutes uh, from college park into Manhattan arrival into Manhattan is at our normal arrival spot on East 23rd street in Manhattan. So you get off the plane and you're right in the city. Um, And uh, I'm not sure what else to say about it. It's, it's, it's very much akin to service that you would get on our New York to Boston route. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest exception, of course, is we're landing at an airport in, on the Washington side. So um, as most pe- of your readers probably know, um, our planes have both wheels and floats so that the plane is just as comfortable in, in both environments. Pretty exciting when I saw the news of landing at an airport. It sort of puts a spin on everything. Um, you mentioned your role at Tailwind sort of encompasses a lot of different things. Um, so what is the process from initial mention of this potential route at Tailwind to, again, just mm-hmm. like the process throughout to eventually where we're at today, where yesterday's you guys uh, announced it and obviously looking to uh, begin it in the coming month? So, I mean, it, it, you've got to look at the overall company vision, first of all, and see what we're trying to do. Um, then, you know, we do market research. We use third parties. We use our own research. We look at uh, what's going on. Then you measure it up against potential of what our, our equipment and our service could do. Um, you know, there's an interesting graph on our website that, you know, you can say, okay, well, we if we do this, we're going to be faster and we're, we're delivering on our core, mm-hmm. on our core proposition. Um, then you... 
got to engage with the local uh, authorities uh, and and folks down in in College Park. Um, We looked at a a wide number of destinations we could land at uh, in the Washington, D.C. area um, and had to kind of go through a whole process of weeding out what's feasible, what's not feasible, where the the best market conditions exist. Um, Then you've got... um, then, of course, then there's some special considerations around Washington uh, airspace, as, as most people know. Um, we've got to make sure we meet those requirements and come up with plans to address, you know, the additional um, security and, and regulations that involve flying into and out of the D.C. Uh, FRZ. Uh, the Once we do that, we did a couple of uh, uh, proving runs and some, some trials and... Um, and then you work towards the launch and then you give people a really good reason to buy. Like we have a just, to, you know, as a promotion to, to build up loads and to get people to try the service. We've got an ongoing promotion where if you buy one, uh, a companion flies with you at no cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a pretty great deal. It's essentially 50 percent off for two people. Uh, and, you know, we'll be running that and, and then getting people to trial our service, engaging with with media and engaging with local um, groups who can help us spread the word, uh, finding partners for us, uh, whether it be hospitality partners or, or transportation providers, any number of other things, um, and then launching the route and seeing seeing where things go. Uh, it, it's very promising. All signs point to um, it being a a, a good. A good decision, uh, but you, you we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, talk to me in November. I'll tell you how, how I think things are actually going. <laughs> of course, um, like you said, it's a long process. There are so many steps, and with the world we're in, that can change at a moment's notice. And I'm sure in the things you've set up in just not this route, but all the things you've set up in recent years, you've probably experienced challenges here and there. And one day it's looking like this, and then maybe the next day it's, oh, we may have to account for this. Did you experience any challenges when you were establishing this new route? Uh, Not particularly. I mean, there are some limitations, uh, you know, around accessing the DC... You know, there were some delays uh, in terms of just getting some of the, the regulatory stuff we had to deal with that's unique to, to flying into Boston. I'm sorry, to flying into College Park. Um, otherwise, it's very much like adding a new route. We've got to understand how they are, you know, it's a relatively long route for, for our seaplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to understand where our, you know, where our limitations are and where, where what, we can, what we can and can't do. Um, everything gets run through a... Um, a safety management program that we have here and a risk assessment program that we have here uh, to make sure that things are in the clear. Um, and then it's kind of uh, off to the races, uh, you know, getting things into our website, getting things, you know, updating our app, updating, you know, all the kind of blocking and tackling that you need to do to, to launch a new route. Of course. Um, now, the last time we spoke, we did heavily discuss the seaplane experience, which is something that I think is unique to Tailwind and something that is also very important if selecting Tailwind. You mentioned how one of the major differences be- say, between, say, getting the train and getting Tailwind is you're probably only dealing with a handful of people in comparison to the hundreds you may experience. So what, are, what would you say, in your personal opinion, are some of the key and fundamental factors in building that seaplane experience to be a memorable but also successful one? So 
so we aim, we are a high touch service. You know, we, we are, tend to be in personal contact with most of our passengers. We of course have modern systems that allow us to send text messages or things when something changes. Um, you know, we've got lounge, a lounge in Manhattan. We've got a lounge in Boston. Um, so it's, it's, you know, there's a nice kind of waiting area, weather protected in Washington. Uh, we won't necessarily have a dedicated lounge, but we it, the the terminal building itself is a is a large building with plenty of uh, facilities and and things. Mm-hmm. Um, on board, you know the 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 experience of being on one of our planes, you know the seats themselves are are one by one uh, down down a central aisle. So every seat is both an aisle and a window. Windows on the caravans are quite large uh, because uh, of the the way that plane is. So you have beautiful window. Uh, that tends to be our in-flight entertainment. Uh, the um, uh, the seats themselves have about a 36-inch seat pitch, so that's akin to a premium economy type situation. So it's it's comfortable, it's leather, it's climate controlled. We have air conditioning on our aircraft as well. Um, it's also somewhat no frills, right? Uh, there's no there's no flight attendant. There's no um, we do have some uh, drinks on board, but. Um, really, it's it's very it's, it's much more basic uh, than that. Um, but it's also very comfortable. Taking off from the water, uh, especially in Manhattan or Boston, is a, is a pretty special uh, experience. You uh, are right. You know, you essentially get a, a sightseeing tour of Manhattan on your way in and out. Um, and the same could be said for Boston. For, for Washington, of course, we're not flying over the middle of Washington, D.C., but you do get to see um, a lot of fascinating geography, both all up and down the eastern seaboard as you as you fly. Um, our aircraft don't fly above 10,000 feet, uh, really. So, um, uh, you know, you're typically relatively low, low to the ground, and, and it, uh, a lot of people just kind of get captivated by, by the scenery as they're flying. And um, these are just some viewer and listener questions that were put forward. Uh, Interestingly enough, some people had heard of Tailwind and some hadn't. This one is from Amelia, who had not heard of Tailwind before. She wanted to know um, whether you're planning, I guess, Tailwind generally, are looking to redefine seaplane usage, pardon me, with their operations. I mean... Yes, it's yes and no. I mean, seaplanes are, are used all around the world, uh, largely, you know, you know, out of some larger cities. You know, you've got uh, quite mature seaplane operations in Vancouver and Seattle. Um, we would like to, to do something similar in the Northeast. Um, the, I think the use of the we make excessive, uh, you know, a lot uh, exclusive use of the Cessna Caravan, which I think is. A very and the amphibian nature of it too, which is really the ideal aircraft for the Northeast, uh, the way it is right now. So in that sense, that's a little bit um, revolutionary. I think we view the seaplanes in general as a as what is going to lead into the urban mobility revolution uh, mm-hmm. when these uh, future uh, platforms, whether they be EV tolls or hybrids or electric aircraft, come on board. They're largely going to be addressing a network that we are hoping to build, um, and that in that network is connecting population centers uh, faster. Some some are very much focused more on a helicopter mission, kind of smaller. We we're focused on the kind of intercity, you know, ninety to three hundred and fifty mile mm-hmm. kind of flight, um, and so we see 
us being in a good position to be early adopters of green uh, or improved platforms uh, from a from a, an environmental stewardship uh, perspective, and um, you know, in that sense, that might be relatively uh, revolutionary. <laughs> um, I know that's been <laughs> or, a bit. it's an ev- it's an evolution, but it's it's a really big one that's coming to aviation, mm-hmm. and it's going to come to our area first. It's been a major talking point, I think, in forums, conferences, events. Um, the use of more efficient means of transport and, and, and like you said, Tailwind are looking to adopt that and I think that sector is definitely a brilliant place to start. We have active and ongoing, we have active partnerships uh, with a couple of companies and we have some ongoing discussions with a lot of them. A lot of them are very curious about our network and what we're trying to do um, and are helping design uh, aircraft or, or some of them are hard to define whether they're planes or what are what they are, but flying flying vehicles mm-hmm. um, that uh, that I think will be will be transformative. I don't know the exact timing. Um, part of me believes it might be a little bit longer mm-hmm. uh, than 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 some of the optimistic projections. Um, strictly from when, when it, particularly when it comes to taking uh, paid commercial passengers, um, th- that tends to be the last thing uh, we'll let it and and it. It, those those platforms will probably prove themselves out in military and cargo functions first. Uh, but as soon as that as that's finished, um, Tailwind will be a pioneer, a leader uh, in in adopting them. Um, and finally, we had someone named Max, and I'm not sure his question was a bit of an, a unique one. So I was wondering, uh, you could probably take it where you'd like to, because he didn't add in specifics, but. He wanted to more discuss the future of Tailwind in other markets. Um, I know last mm-hmm. time we discussed that there are a couple of opportunities potentially, and you've, you've mentioned extensively that northeastern corridor. Um, a Tailwind looking at other markets, or uh, that was his question, as in the furthest city you guys might be targeting, um, and just general other markets that Tailwind might be interested in uh, moving into later down the line. Yeah. So broadly, uh, yes, we, we, there are there are a myriad of other markets in the Northeast. Uh, we can identify probably two dozen um, that we can serve from from hubs out of out of both uh, Washington, uh, Manhattan, and Boston. Uh, so there there is a lot of existing expansion possibilities. Um, there's also new geographies uh, entirely, uh, whether they be most of them being within the United States. Um, but, um, you know, the, the South, you know, Florida area comes to mind, uh, potentially, um, there's some others in the Great Lakes or, or, um, or even out on the West coast. There's a number of others, but we've got a long way to go still in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some parts of the Caribbean as well are, in, are of interest to us. Um, you know, in terms of the longest route we would operate, um, with, with our seaplanes, uh, Right around the length of New York to Washington is about the longest. Uh, that's probably, you know, practical uh, for an aircraft like that. So um, it'll be, it's exciting. There's a lot of places to plug in. It's not just the traditional routes, though. You, you got to remember, we don't think traditionally about almost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you could get service from a lot of secondary and tertiary airports uh, into the water. Um, places that don't have any service at all and that really couldn't have commercial airline service could have tailwind air service uh, and we can plug those in we can we can do some connecting traffic um, we can really bring those 
those areas onto onto the map uh, and provide a lot of uh, a lot of access uh, to urban cores that they don't have right now. And I'm sure in your position, having I mean, you've mentioned so much just there, and I, and I have no doubt, given your passion for Tailwind, that's probably always in the back of your head, circling ideas, thinking about what's next. Um, and I guess how you did mention for Tailwind, that's a lot to to be looking at in a later period, as we said, you've got a lot still now on your plate. So short term moving forward, what are some of the goals and I guess ambitions the company has? Not so much, let's say, in the next 10 years, but maybe just the next year. Yeah, so the next year is really, um, you know, growing our, our current routes. They're, they're two of the, of the larger opportunities we, we see uh, between Washington and New York and Boston. Um, growing our fleet, continuing to grow our fleet, sorry. Um, you know, adding in, um, you know, finding places where we can either improve reliability, increase frequency. Uh, we've had a number of successes with some seasonal service, um, Provincetown or, or some of our Hampton services, more the, more the traditional routes we've operated. There's a lot of opportunity to grow inside of those as well. So we're not abandoning uh, our roots, uh, but we'll, we'll, we're very focused on building um, a a a regional airline, in, in, so to speak, uh, that that serves not just uh, summer destinations, but but year-round destinations that that all travelers are interested in. And uh, if someone's now listened to this piece and heard everything you've had to say and wanted to learn more about Tailwind, bar what we've said here, what would be the best place to find Tailwind and just learn about, more about the operation? Uh, I mean, our website, of course, has the most information about us. That's flytailwind.com. If anyone wants to have any, you know, I think I always try and make myself accessible or someone on my team. If anyone has ideas or thoughts uh, or constructive feedback, Um, people do spot our planes in Manhattan um, and in Boston. Uh, They're beautiful. People submit pictures all the time. Um, we're, We're relatively active on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so, you know, that's more kind of current pace, uh, and then following places like DJs or, or (laughs) following what you're up to. So, um, any, any, anything like that is great. We're small. So, you know, if, if people want to reach out proactively, uh, to someone on the team, you know, you can submit a form, um, someone invariably will get back to you. And I'm sure a lot of people appreciate that, that connectivity. And again, that's going to go back to what we were discussing at the beginning. It's that really having an emphasis on the people at Tailwind as well. Because like you said, it's not an operation with 500 people on the train. Our pilots are are amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just really experienced, great group of guys that are that are doing things that, you know, are they're really working hand in hand with us and got some great doc staff and operations team. Um, It's been amazing to see our growth, uh, especially in the last 24 to 36 months. And the people are always important in anything and having the right people, I'm sure, can fill you with a sense of pride, no doubt, as well. Yeah, it's been it's been good. And, you know, we've all had challenges, of course, uh, you know, with the pandemic and all this remote stuff and um, a lot of uncertainty around a lot of people's lives. Uh, It's been great to see our team coalesce around around our mission. And um, I've never had more fun professionally. Um, and more interest in what I'm doing, uh, and I think we're just at the be- at the very very beginning mm-hmm. of what of what we what can be done. And that's why it's an always uh, it's always a pleasure part of me to sit down and chat Tailwind with you because I'll always say it I can see that passion 
when you're talking about it, when you're answering what I'm, I'm asking you, you always have that passion and that smile that comes with it. So thank you very much. That's um, all from me today. Uh, I'm very excited to see where Tailwind develops and, of course, in the next month with the launch of that route. And um, I look forward to hopefully speaking to you again uh, sometime in the future. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.